The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the broadcast. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA, Facebook Jeff Fisher Radio, and Instagram at JeffyMRA. So with the poll on the Glenn Beck website, glennbeck.com, does AI make you nervous? 87% of you answered yes. It's creepy and a huge unknown. And yet we use... AI every day, voice technology. It's already in our lives. Uh, The military is using it. Uh, But we still have people who believe that the collapse is coming and society is coming. We got word from a former Facebook executive saying he believes society will collapse within 30 years as robots put half of humans out of work. Will the society collapse with only half the humans out of work? I'm not sure, but I have a book in my hands. Will robots take your job? Nigel Cameron goes through the idea and the process of will robots take your job? Who's looking into it? What can happen? What we can do about it and what needs to really be done uh, for the future to, you know, either make it happen or not make it happen. Nigel, thanks for joining us on the broadcast today. How are you, sir? Great to be here. Thank you very much. Um, so the question, will robots take your job? Before we get to that, uh, you know, so many people, as in the poll, think that, uh, you know, AI is creepy and a huge unknown. And I'm sure that they're actually, they're not referring to what we all know is under the AI tent. They're referring to, you know, the creepy robot that comes in and says, I want to kill you. Um, you have said that uh, we, as here in the United States anyway, are far behind the eight ball on preparing the masses for what's going to happen. Is that still true today? Absolutely true. You know, I mean, at election cycle, I sat through every single one of the debates, both sides, a whole lot. Not one word was said about this question. This is a huge, huge question. Um, do you believe that uh, how, how many years? How many years do we have? Well, I mean, there are some big, big reports out there saying something like 15 years, 25 years. We aren't quite sure, but I mean, big changes ahead and in, certainly in our lifetime. So when, uh, let's use uh, the Teamsters, for example. We hear stories all the time about the driverless trucks, and we've seen, I've seen videos of the trucks actually working. And I see that uh, they've started where they're making the test runs actually have a human sit in the truck. I mean, that saves the Teamsters job for maybe four years, maybe. Uh, after, after, the, after that truck drives uh, uh, accident-free for about two years, the company's going to go, yeah, we don't need you anymore. Get out. 
Yeah, the thing, thing about trucks is, you know, I mean, they're very expensive things to operate. And so the notion you can get, you know, 24-hour operation, cut accidents, cut insurance costs, you know, cut environmental issues, lower gas, all that kind of stuff, you know, and cutting it on labor. I mean, it's incredible. And we're going to begin with trucks. I mean, a lot of this stuff yeah. we don't know. We don't know whether there'll be new jobs or bad. You know, we do know there'll be no jobs driving trucks down freeways. I mean, that, <laughs> that's a dead cert, 10 years' time. And I actually talked about this with someone from AFL-CIO. I said, what would you, doesn't it worry you the Teamsters might have zero members? And the guy just said, no, no, it'll all be all right. <laughs> I don't I, understand why people aren't getting worried. I mean, that's, that's a complete dream world that it'll all be all right. I mean, we should you already see, I mean, be... One of the things that really worries me about the truck driving, I mean, this, this is the leading single occupation for men in the United States, truck drivers. Right. It's, 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 it's the most popular job. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll still need truck drivers. Obviously, we'll still need truck drivers to deliver to places outside of where uh, most uh, GPSs and computer-drawn maps have drawn, right? I mean, the highway system is is good, and you'll be able to drive from one, uh, you know, one populated area to another populated area. But to deliver the things, you probably will need still need truck drivers uh, not you know cross country truck drivers, but you still need for, delivery people for the moment. For the moment, right? Yes, right. But of course, uh, one thing is leading to another. I, I know, but even with the driverless cars, and that's coming too, which leads to a whole other topic. Right next to the driverless trucks is that uh, you know you're going to end up the people who are driving are the ones that are the problem, not the computer. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, one of the things people often say, well, you know, these are really diff- difficult things. I don't know how computers can be smart enough. Humans are terrible drivers. We are <laughs> awful drivers. You know, yes. we kill. I mean, you know, the number of accidents on the U.S. roads is going up. It went up 25 percent in the last couple of years. 40,000 people killed. We're terrible drivers. It's not going to be that hard for computers to be better than we are. Right. And so we're the problem. So when I mean, it won't take long before uh you're not going to be able to drive in for sure inside a, a, a city, right? Before inside the city limits. And well, at least you'll be paying a premium in your insurance because you'll be a riskier driver than the machines. That's what's going to happen first. Big discounts if you use the machines. Right. So, um, I mean, so anyway, once we get outside, I mean, there's so many, so many places in the United States that still want to be able to drive. Uh, they're not going to want to give up their vehicles. So, I mean, at first we're talking about, as far as driverless cars and delivery trucks, and, you know, you're talking about the the metropolitan areas because the people outside of the metropolitan areas, they're, they're not going to want to give up their pickup truck. They're just not going to want to. I mean, I, I don't want to. Well, I think I think a lot of us like driving. Um, I think it's, it's ultimately it'll be it'll be economics first of all. I mean, insurance rates will will change, um, and then people will you know there'll be a new a new way of looking at this. I mean, for example, if you can get into your into your pickup and you can still drink, you know, uh, right. you get in and you and you can watch a movie, you Look, know. I mean, I mean, the the content's going to change. I'm all for that. I mean, I took the I I worked in Manhattan for you know for a while and lived in Pennsylvania. I took the train in and out of the city every day, and while the train ride itself gets uh, kind of agonizing. I got a lot of work done on the train. I mean, when we moved when we moved the company to Texas, I had to change the whole focus of how I worked because while I drive to work, that took work time away. 
it's it, it, enormous amounts of time are spent commuting, you know, and it, and it's it's, it's going to shift. Now, of course, we maybe there'll be all sorts of new jobs to make up for these jobs, and maybe we'll get used to this new way of working. But I mean, insurance rates are going to go down. There'll be far fewer jobs, for example, for people in emergency medicine because there'll be fewer casualties. You know, all I mean, insurance agents. Right. I mean, there are millions of insurance agents. I mean, they'll right. retail insurance will basically be over because this will be fleet based and so on. I mean, right. You know, and what worries me most, I mean, I think some of the changes will be wonderful, but yes. why is no one up there in the top end of government actually even talking about these things and what they're going to mean for us? Well, do you think that they will uh, end up, um, and I'm talking to Nigel Cameron, by the way, author of uh, Will Robots Take Your Job. Um, do you think that maybe that by not talking about it, they just believe that, hey, we're just going to give everybody a min come and they can just shut up? Well, that's an interesting point. And interestingly, I mean, people have been arguing this from the right as well as the left for a long time now. The most interesting uh, thing recently was Charles Murray, you know, his big conservative intellectual, made a speech at the American Enterprise Institute, you know, top sort of pro-business think tank, printed it in the Wall Street Journal. And he says, you know, we're going to have to think about a universal income. So we basically pay people whether they work or not. I'm not sure where that's going to happen. I mean, I think there are other ways we could do this, for example, reducing retirement ages. But it's certainly a real possibility there'll be fewer jobs. I mean, we've had for a long time, you know, what we call full employment. That basically means anybody who really wants a job can usually get one. That's really what it means. If that ends, we end up with a huge, huge new kind of problem, which is people who really want jobs and are hardworking and want to get jobs, and they're not going to be able to get them. The government isn't even talking about it. Right. And and that's where we're talking about now that while the income would be, you know, I I guess if we're talking about, okay, saying the income is a good thing, it's a good thing if you take away all the other help that the government provides. Um, you know, so you say, you know, we'll give everybody, you can still work and you can still do whatever you want. We're going to give you so much a month to, this is what we believe you can survive on. And we're going to give you so much a month, but all the other help goes away. Uh, well, people have argued for universal income from both ends of a spectrum. That's the conservative view of it. It doesn't cost us any more money. We just take all the benefits and we divide them all up. And that's the kind of thing that people like Murray want. From 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 the progressive end, it's more we need to add new benefits. <laughs> and, of course, we, well, one of the things we just don't know is whether all these robot AI stuff will produce far more money, whether ultimately these will be highly profitable things that produce, you know, much bigger tax income for government and so on. So there's more to go around. We just don't know that. Well, I mean, I that's why... Have to plan as if that's not going to happen, and that the, the the pie remains the same size. Well, that's what I mean. Uh, Gates was talking about taxing the robots, right? That's what he believes. With, as long as they're going to create more income, then we tax them, so we have more tax revenue from that. It's an interesting um, argument because basically, I mean, what governments do. I mean, you know, we all agree there have to be some sort of tax for something, and governments basically tax where. Va- I don't know that I want to agree economy. with that. I don't know that I want to agree with that, Nigel. <laughs> but you go ahead. <laughs> You know, governments tax where you add value. And if you take away a worker and put in a machine, and you were taxing the worker previously, um, it makes sense to tax the machine. That's Gates' view. I'm not not sure whether he's right, but at least he's putting ideas out there. And boy, do we need ideas. Absolutely. Where do you see us us at in uh, five years, then 10 years, then 15 years? The next five, you know, we'll triple it out. Five, 10, 15. Well, I think in five years' time, this is going to be a really hot issue. And politicians and other sort of civic leaders who've thought about it will have a big advantage because they find something to say about it. I think in 10 years' time, we're certainly going to be seeing some self-driving trucks and that kind of stuff really happening. A lot more automation in the home, you know, smart homes, systems controlling all your heating and all that kind of stuff. That's going going to be the norm. Um, It almost is now, really. I mean, Hmm? it almost is now. 
really. I mean, I guess maybe in the you know the the masses around the country doesn't have it, but boy, so many so many uh, municipalities sure have it. I mean, if you're living in uh, in any kind of uh, a city, you have access to so much, so many things like that that it's it's made life pretty good. I think a lot of things have been creeping up on us, and they're going to come together in much more obvious ways. Um, that some people find exciting, some will find challenging, and will certainly be very disruptive to, to, to business because this is going to make big changes in the way in which pretty much everything in the economy operates. I mean, yeah. you know, one of the interesting stories recently is you know John Deere, you know, the fights with John Deere tractors. Because I mean, they're now basically laden down with computer software. Right. I mean, that, and, you can we, you see the I, I love the the fields uh, when you go to you know Idaho or Utah or Montana, wherever the giant fields are, and you have the John Deere tractors, and you see the fields uh, uh, actually plowed in certain geometric forms. That's all computer, man. That's all GPS. It it maps out. We can use this much ground, and it goes. It's beautiful. It's amazing the accuracy that they have now, and the big fights on now because John Deere, the farmers can't fix their own tractors because basically all the stuff's owned by the company. <laughs> so they're right. they're hacking, they're, they're getting stuff from the Ukraine to hack into their systems. I mean, this is this is not farming like you know like our grandparents farmed. <laughs> but now, okay, so all right, let's say they're doing that. Wouldn't it be better for John Deere just to say, "Hey, we're now hiring people to fix these, and we you know we'll send them out to your farm." So that's creating new jobs, right? Well, it is, and of course, they, they, the, the, what, what they what they, we were always going to have criminals. There's always going to be people trying to hack and get in. And out. I get and, that. And, and whenever you have disruption, you have change. People look for new ways. They look for workarounds. Um, but I think one of the things it illustrates is just how dramatic this is. I mean, nothing was more traditional than farming a generation ago, and now it really is on the cutting edge of these new AI technologies. And this is going to happen to every single occupation in the country. I mean, it already is, right? I mean, we're talking about uh, uh, robots uh, doing uh, lung surgery. I just read, I saw a headline last. Last night, talking about uh, the robotics of uh, lung cancer surgery, how it makes it so much, how it's going to make it so much easier. I mean, we're creating robotic legs for paralyzed people. I mean, it's all you know that that's the good side, right? I mean, that's the good side. We're extending life, but on the other hand, we're extending life to do what? To sit in a room and wish they had a job? Well, I mean, this is the point. It isn't. It isn't just people like drivers. I mean, if it's going to be lung surgeons, you know, what are they going to do with themselves? I mean, I think this is what's really interesting about this. It's right across the economy. It's top to bottom. This isn't just certain kinds of jobs. Everything's going to get easier and cheaper and smarter, and therefore require less human effort. All right. So, ten years. I think. I think. I think. Ten years. This is. You know. This is going to have arrived. This is going to be a huge issue, and I just don't know what's going to happen to our politics because I mean I don't know whether this is a GOP issue, whether it's a Dem issue. It's right across the board. It's a new kind of issue. It doesn't really fit left and right. This no. isn't pro tech, anti tech. It's ultimately how we have an economy in which there are jobs for people to do. And I don't want to. You know, I know that I don't want to talk about uh, you know the one world order, but it's really a global thing. I mean, while the United States uh, can say, "Hey, we've put, uh, we've stopped uh, work on uh, computers of these particular AI robots because they started to create their own language," uh, that doesn't mean that Japan stop and work on those. It's a huge problem, and the point is, it's a global competitive environment. I think, I think one of the interesting things, though, is going to be it's countries that really put all the pieces together that will really do well. People are concerned about the human end of this, about how people need jobs, they want something to do with themselves all day long. It's not just going to be people who go all out for technology who are going to win. And I think this is a terrific opportunity for us to think more about how we want to put the pieces together. So we automate all we want to automate, but we leave things for people to do, and we leave an environment in which ultimately it's about people. I mean, technology is all about people. 
people aren't all about technology. And I think if we get that right way around, I think this gives us economic competitiveness quite apart from anything else. I'm going to leave it at that. I love that. It was optimistic. It was beautiful. I liked the way that sounded. Nigel Cameron, uh, author of Will Robots Take Your Job. Thank you so much for your time, sir. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Great to talk. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Nigel Cameron, Will Robots Take Your Job. Now, basically what he said is uh, we're all doomed. You're listening to The Jeff Fisher Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to an 888 It's not the Jeff Fisher Show. It's the Jeff Fisher Program on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for coming along for the ride. So we talked to Nigel Cameron. Uh, Will Robots Take Your Job? Fascinating. We, you know, we kind of uh, you know, broad-stroked everything with Nigel. Maybe we'll have him back and dig a little bit deeper because, my gosh, there's uh, we could take another, peel another layer off the onion. Because you look at, I mean, I've got a, a stack of just uh, homemade robots crack safe in just 30 minutes. Artificial intelligence, no longer just a sci-fi fantasy, says AT&T. I mean, AT&T is using their surface. Uh, you know, ru- our, some of our new globalist rulers, like Elon Musk, he believes that it's the end of times. They have robot soccer tournaments. And you think, well, what good is that? It, it really wasn't that good. But it will be. It's practice, getting them to set up to feed off of each other, right? Russia unveils new weapon to protect England fans from hooligans. During the World Cup, they're going to have four-foot-tall robots roaming the crowds as security, right? A robot priest. They've got granting auto blessings. They've got robots playing a piano concerto with another pianist, right? Uh, The Navy has got uh, the the Navy and just the military across the board, it's using robots uh, to fight wars. We'll be having sex with robots in the next 10 years. Some of us may be already doing that. Wait, did I say that out loud? And, of course, Facebook, my favorite story, where they talked about shutting down the AI. We had to shut down the AI because they created a special language, and we didn't want them to keep talking without us knowing what they were saying. But uh, it was like the next day, maybe even the same day they bought another AI startup. Uh, you know, just because that's what they do. They buy that. It's what they do. But I found it fascinating that uh, no one is really dealing with the issue. And somebody better deal with it soon because it's coming. And some would say that it's already here. And if you think that you are impervious to this, good luck. Good luck. Because you ain't. And neither am I, and neither are our children. And, I mean, I don't know that I have any of the answers except for maybe we think about making sure our children are able to adapt and overcome and change and not get locked in like we did 
I mean, when I was a kid, guys worked at, uh, you know, Saginaw steering gear for 20 years, 25 years, and retired to a cottage on a small lake in Michigan. That's what you did. Um, I knew I was never going to do that and, and never will. So things change like that all the time. It's time to be, be prepared. Be prepared for it. The future of AI. The Jeff Fisher Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride today. This is the Saturday lineup on the Blaze Radio Network. Myself. Immediately following this broadcast, Lawrence Jones, Mike Slater, Joe Pegg. Why go anywhere else on a Saturday? And then before me is uh, Opelka, Mike Opelka. He's on from 6 to six to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Opelka, I got to remember that name. I don't know why I keep forgetting that stupid name. Opelka, Mike Opelka. Yeah. You know, funny, he's on every day on the Blaze Radio Network too, Monday through Friday. And... Uh, you think I'd remember his name, but for the life of me, I can't. Because Monday through Friday, you got Doc Thompson on in the morning, and then you've got Glenn Beck, and then you've got Mike Opelka. How to remember his name? And then uh, Chris Salcedo and Pat and Stu, Buck Sexton. There's no way you need not go anywhere else. Sundays, you got Jackie Daly shows kicking off Sunday morning into David Barton, Bill Handel, Yarn Brooks. I mean, if you were to say go someplace else instead of the Blaze Radio Network, you would come back and you would ask yourself, why did I do that? So instead of asking yourself, why did I do that? Just don't do it. It's a helpful tip for me. So my kids, uh, last night uh, here in the Metroplex, uh, Queen was playing. Queen with uh, Adam Lambert pretending to be Freddie Mercury. I wasn't pretending to be Freddie Mercury. I'm Adam Lambert. I was just singing their songs. Okay. Uh, and boy, I, you know, I really wanted to kind of go, and, I'm, and uh, my son really wanted to go because he's really big into Queen these days, and. Uh, don't, uh, but he's, you know, he's a 15 year old. He loves Queen. Get off me. I don't care. He went to Metallica earlier this year, too. So, I mean, he's just broadening his horizons. But they wanted to go. Now, I thought, okay, you know what? I'll take the kids. Because they, they, a lot of times they're running around the house joking around singing Queen songs. And, you know, we're laughing, having a good time. So I thought, yeah, you know. You can watch the Freddie Mercury concerts and get the feel. But, you know, we'll go to, you know, I'll, I'll take him to it. I mean, well, like 86 bucks a ticket. 86 bucks a ticket to see Adam Lambert and Queen? Uh, no, thank you. 
and you got to park. And then, you know, I mean, you're going to tell the kids, no, you can't have a soda? I mean, you could, but I feel bad that I have one and they don't. So I end up having to buy them one. And so you're looking at, you know, more than over $200, 200 bucks for a Friday night to see Queen? No, thank you. No. I could spend my two, three hundred dollars on something else. I, you know, should we have gone? Probably. That's the way they make their money in today's world. I get it. I mean, Donald Fagan. Donald Fagan, yeah. musical icon, Steely Dan, right? He's on his own stuff. He's who is sixty-nine years old now. Sixty-nine years old. Donald Fagan. Anyway, he's back on tour. I mean, this guy's a rock legend, and he's back on tour. And he's why is he back on tour? Because he can't make any money selling albums. Can't do it. Doesn't make any money. The only way they make money is on tour. He said when the bottom fell out of the record business uh, years ago, it deprived me of the luxury of earning a living from records. I don't sell enough albums to cover the cost of recording them the way I like to. For me, touring is the only way to make a living. Okay, and that's and they're all they're all that way now, right? I mean, you can you get the streaming. You want to be able to, uh, you know, you want to be able to spend ten bucks a month and stream whatever song you want, or you want to be able to stream whatever song you want for free. I hate people like that. Just want to listen. <laughs> Just want to type in a song and have it play for you on your computer without paying. <laughs> I mean, that's great, right? I mean, that's what that's a great thing in today's world, man. You want to hear a song? You type it in, and there it is. There it is. Someone has put it in the, the computer system for you to hear. Whether it's Bill from Kansas who took a picture of the Steely Dan album and then recorded the song onto his computer and uploaded it to YouTube and you get to listen to it. And it says, man, that's not the crappy recording. Okay, well, find a better recording then. There's probably 80 others. I mean, it's amazing times. But Donald Fagan ain't getting any of that money. He got the money from the Kansas guy who bought the album. That's it. The rest of us are all freeloaders. So when you see all these old rock guys on tour, man, you have to go see them. So I apologize to Queen. I apologize to Adam Lambert and Queen. My apologies from the bottom of my heart. I should have spent my money to go and see you so that at least you could make some money. And I want you to know that that it hurts me now that I think about it. It hurts me. This is gonna this is this story. You remember Ronnie James Dio? Black Sabbath. All right. Now, he's the former Black Sabbath frontman. He died of stomach cancer in 2010. All right. Now, his family, uh, the wife, Wendy Dio, who's probably thinking, I've got to maintain a lifestyle that I've become accustomed to. And with Ronnie dead, it's been seven years, and I've blown through this <laughs> There's no more income. I've blown through this money, and they're going to take this place, and I kind of like this house. I don't know that that's happening. I'm just guessing. 
What does she do? I mean, it's kind of genius, right? He's going to be going on tour as a hologram. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. A 100, an entire 100 concert world tour will feature holographic display of her deceased husband as a live band plays in tune with his, with his archival recordings. You know, it gives the fans that saw Ronnie perform an opportunity to see him again. <sighs> yeah, and I bet that uh, those millions on that tour isn't going to help, isn't going to hurt either, is it, Wendy? <laughs> no. But genius idea. I mean, come on. You thought, uh, who was the first, uh, I guess maybe, um, now, why, Tupac? Maybe. I mean, yeah, well, with the hologram, yeah, that's probably true. Because I was thinking that Natalie Cole was the first one that, you know, was still milking, milking her dad for money. Right, because she had the big video and the big scene where she was singing the duet with his dad, and and Nat was long since dead. Right, I mean, and Nat, a legend. Hello. I mean, who's not gonna? Uh, who doesn't love Nat King Cole? If you raise your hand, you're dead to me. Don't raise your hand telling me Nat King Cole is dead to you. Don't do it. This is the same guy, the same guy, bad mouthing Don Hull earlier today. Same guy is gonna raise his hand on Nat King Cole in this room. My Saturday producer, my Saturday producer, telling me earlier in here, oh, is there a fun somebody mentioned Don Ho? And I was like, who's Don Ho? Okay, that pisses me off, first of all. If you, uh, if you don't know who Don Ho is, look it up, because you should, all right? And Don Ho is a legend. He's a Hawaiian legend. If you know anything about music, you know Don Ho. So don't raise your hand about that, Kid Cole. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because that will, holy crap, that will make me mad. That pisses me off. Tell me you never heard Tiny Bubbles. Don Ho, Tiny Bubbles. Tell me the truth. Tiny Bubbles in the wine. Come on. It's down hole. Holy, you are so close to being out of a job. Holy crap. You better buy sat next week. I better hear Don Ho blasted out of that room. You know, that was my mother who's been dead now for several years. That was her favorite song. Now you brought that memory back to me. You better be. Don Ho better be blasting out of that room next week, okay? Or you're gone over my mother. <laughs> one of my one of my mother's favorite lines was she was at a wedding reception and the guy was setting up to be the DJ at the reception and she came up and asked the guy if he had tiny bubbles and he said, no, but I've got some gas. And uh, that was one of her. Anyway, that's a little joke. There's the... This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
The Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. So what? The Don Ho has been dead for 10 Dead for 10 years. Doesn't he have a son, though, that goes around pretending to be Don Ho on the islands now? Look it up. The whole family. Dot Mom, Pa, Ho, and the whole family. I think his son tries to go around singing Don Ho songs and stuff around the islands and still tries to milk off dad's fame. Pretty sure. I bet you that's right. I mean, I guess I could be wrong, but there's got to be Don Ho. I mean, as long as if you're on in Hawaii, there's going to be Don Ho impersonators. You're there. That's what you do. I mean, if I'm if I'm in Hawaii, I'm either impersonating the uh, who's the giant. <laughs> He's dead now too. Who's the uh, the extra fat guy that sang somewhere over the rainbow? No, not Judy Garland, although she's dead too. But the guy from Hawaii—I don't remember his name—but he—he's been his song was in a bunch of movies, somewhere over the rainbow, and he was this extra overweight person. And uh, he's you know he's dead now too. So you're either going to pretend to be him or Don Ho if you're living in Hawaii. That's who you, that's who you him or maybe you pretend to be Steve McGarrett. Five zero. That's it. That's all you know. That's all you need to know about Hawaii. Oh, you got Tom Selleck too. That's right. I forgot about Tom Selleck. You got him. So you either got you got him. You got the overweight guy singing somewhere over the rainbow. Did you find remember his name? Not all jobs are going to be done by robots. If you're looking for a job, call 888-900-3393. Because there may be an opening soon. So Bill Murray. I am a big fan of Bill Murray. He's always have been. Always kind of, I always, this is one guy I've never met, and I would like to, I would, would like to meet Bill Murray. And I know that he's, you know, he's one of those characters that doesn't have uh, email. He has a toll-free number that you call and leave a message. And sooner or later, he gets back to you. He calls you back. And he just travels around. He shows up places. Like, you'll be, you know, you're at, a, you're at a bar and look up, and hey, there's Bill Murray. So there's another brand new story out of, out of Michigan that Bill Murray said he was in Bay City, Michigan. And he loves the people in Bay City, Michigan. He said he had car problems in Bay City. We were living, leaving Bay City, and it overheated. It's kind of the road. People stopped, got him a tow truck, took him to get some food while they were waiting for the car to get fixed, took him to uh, someplace on Saginaw Street, a great burger. Uh, they had no idea who I was either, which made my day, honestly. Uh, people in Bay City are the real deal. Now, let me add that I uh, grew up in uh, Saginaw, Michigan, uh, Saginaw, Bay City, and Midland are the tri-cities in Michigan. Uh, right there. If you look at Michigan, on a, uh, if you hold up your right hand, uh, that's Michigan. And Saginaw, Bay City would be right where your, your thumb, the bay. That's the bay where your thumb meets your, your first pointer finger. That's the, down at the bottom. That's where Saginaw, Bay City, and Midland. That's my, my geography lesson for you in today's world. And, uh, you know, I've got, I know a few people in Bay City and uh, spent a little time in Bay City, and good for them. But, uh, Bill, if you want to show up, I mean, here, I would love, I'll pretend I don't know you if you want. If it makes you feel better, I'll pretend I don't know you. 
And then we'll go out and we'll hang out. I'll buy you a burger. I mean, what, what the hell? You're Bill Murray, right? Oh, wait, I don't know you're Bill Murray. I mean, you're a good guy. I mean, Bill's had a great life. I mean, how old, Bill's almost 66, the 60s now. Jeez. You know, it's been, I was looking at a story t- a couple weeks, the 16th of this month, it'll be 40 years since the death of Elvis Presley. 40 years since Elvis Presley's died. Not one bad word about Elvis from you in the other room. Not one. I will have you, you'll be out of here. Faster than someone can take out the trash. You start bad nothing Elvis. I'll tell you that right now. That'd be trouble right here in River City. I mean, you want to talk about... You want to talk about balls have have a ball zero to me to me to me. This to me, to is me. the That's Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.